0: Good morning, everyone. Wonderful to see all of you here today, and good morning to uh, everyone that's tuning in on Facebook and YouTube. Good morning to my friend Sandy, who's watching this morning, I know for sure. How is everyone this morning so far? I see some uh, some beautiful black and red and uh, something that says SF. That's San Fernando Valley, right? That's so if that is? Let's stand together. Let's worship the Lord together. Let's have a great day today. Here we go. One.
1: Right from Psalm 40, here we go. I will. a new, sing a new song Sing a new song Once again You put a new song in my mouth A hymn of praise to you All I want to do when I wake up Is spend my day with you Put a new song in my mouth A hymn of praise to you Set my feet on the rock I trust in you Sing a new song Sing a new song Once again, sing a new song Sing a new song hey,
0: Amen Who needs coffee when you got that song? Who needs coffee when you got Psalm 40? You know, we can wait on the Lord because his timing is perfect, because he is faithful and because he is trustworthy. I am uh, immensely grateful for that. And I'm immensely grateful for these words here. I'm alive because you are alive. I am free because you set me free. I'm alive in you, Jesus. Thank you so much for that, Lord.
1: I'm alive because you're alive. I'm free because you set me free. I'm alive, I'm alive in you, Jesus. I'm yours because you said it so. I am loved and you won't let go. I'm alive, I'm alive in you, Jesus. Oh, Spirit, come said <clears throat> to our land. Sorry. So we have
2: our God not He is alive.
1: He is. He is Jesus. Nothing and no one can stop Him. Nothing as strong as our God is. Our God is alive. God our God is alive hey death where is your sting no sin has claim on me I'm alive I'm alive in you Jesus no grave could hold my king he stands Victory. He's alive, he's alive in me, Jesus. Oh, you're alive, you're alive in me, Jesus. And he is Jesus. Nothing and no one can stop him. Nothing as strong as our God is. Our God is alive. And He is risen. Now we are walking in freedom. Nothing is strong as our Jesus. Our God is alive. Our God. Our God is alive. Yes, He is. He is Jesus. He is Jesus. Nothing, no one can stop Him. Nothing as strong as our God is. Our God is alive. And He is risen. Now we are walking in freedom. And nothing as strong as our Jesus. Our God is alive. God is alive.
0: All right, you can have a seat, everybody.
3: Good morning, Church. I'm awake. How about you? Yeah. Um, Well, this morning we get the privilege of celebrating the Lord's Supper communion together. Um, And if you're watching online, Facebook, YouTube, um, welcome. We're glad you're here. There's going to be a time in the service where the congregation is going to get the elements. And during that time, I want to just encourage you to run and get some and participate with us. Um, Bread, cracker, juice, water, whatever. The importance is that we are together celebrating and remembering what Jesus has done for us. So, uh, we just sing about Jesus. There's no grave that can hold my king because he stands in victory. He's alive. He's alive in me. He is risen, and now we are walking in freedom. And that is why we celebrate. And as we celebrate communion, we remember how our freedom was purchased. There was a cost. You see, freedom isn't free, is it, right? <laughs> if we're going to agree that. that. Um, there was a cost which Jesus willingly paid. His body and his blood poured out for you and for me. For this is what bought us our freedom from sin. It's important to acknowledge why we take communion. It's because Jesus initiated what we call communion or the Lord's Supper. The night that Jesus initiated, he was gathered with his disciples to celebrate something called Passover. And Passover is a Jewish festival celebrating the Israelites' exodus from Egypt, coming out of Egypt after 400 years in slavery, and God was then taking them to the promised land where they experienced freedom. God instituted the commemorative meal of Passover and told the Israelites to observe this rite as statute for you and your sons forever. That's what Jesus and the disciples were celebrating when they were at the table and where the first communion or Lord's Supper took place. But this meal is important for another reason. It was the last meal that Jesus would have with his disciples before he went to the cross. And Jesus used this Last Supper to explain what he was about to do. I want you to see this. As they were sitting together gathering, remembering what their ancestors had experienced, Jesus was doing something new. He was making a new covenant. His body given, his blood shed for our freedom. This is why we celebrate communion, like they celebrated Passover, to remember what Jesus did for us, the freedom He gives us, and what He is still doing for us today. When we take communion, the bread and the juice are symbols. They're symbols. The bread symbolizes His body, the juice symbolizes His blood poured out for us. All of this was the freedom, all of this is possible. Because he was the perfect sacrifice. He was out without sin, and he gave his life so that we could be free, free from the penalty of sin. So, as we come to the table, as we take communion, I want us to remember all that Jesus has done for us and all that he is doing for us. So, right now, I'm going to ask you to come forward this side to my right and this side to my left. You're going to get the elements, and then when you take your seat, at that point I'm going to lead us in a prayer. So feel free to come forward at this time. you pray with me Lord Jesus we bow before you in humility and ask you to examine our hearts today Jesus thank you for what you did and we remember show us anything that is not pleasing in our lives to you Lord reveal things we need to adjust and correct Lord we want to align with your will Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin, any rebellion, any unforgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you. Because our desire, Lord, is to live for you. So, Lord, right now we just sit before you and we ask, Lord, reveal. And then we ask for forgiveness. And then we come, Lord, to the table and partake, Lord, with a grateful heart in remembrance of what you've done for us and are doing for us every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Hadn't thought this through. It's going to be a little challenging with a mask. I know. Just take it off. (laughs) So, um, all right. So, on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and you, sealed by the shedding of my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. I'll do that at my seat. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. For your son, Jesus, the supreme and perfect sacrifice for all of our sin, past, present, and future. Because of his blood shed for us and his body broken for us, we have freedom. Freedom from the power and the penalty of sin. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for his victory over death. He took the death that we deserve. He took our punishment. And today we remember and celebrate the precious gift of life he gave us. And it doesn't end there. Lord, we ask that you would reign in us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Church, let's stand together one more time. Let's invite God to reign in our hearts. Let's surrender to him once again. together, church. Savior, save us. Reign in our hearts once again. And we know that our hearts are prone to wander. We know that our hearts are prone to listen to what we think is best for our lives. But you know what's best. And so once again, we invite you to reign in us and bear out your fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's okay.
3: Yeah. Well, hello again. Um, so, Do you want this? Sure, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so we as a church have been diving into our spiritual growth challenge called Life in the Spirit. And living a life in the Spirit can transform our lives, which can transform our marriages, It can transform our homes, it can transform our church, it can transform our community. And during this spiritual growth challenge, we've consistently been asking you to do four things. We've asked you to make Sunday morning worship a priority, so thank you for being here and thank you for taking the challenge. Uh, we've We've been asking you to make small groups a priority, and many of those have started and many of you are joining, so thank you. We have asked you to make daily time in God's Word a priority and to pray Galatians 5, 13 through 26 every day. So this morning I have Pastor Gary with me. Welcome home.
4: Well, it's good to be home. Can't wait to could hear about the trip. Good to see you guys. <laughs>
3: um, and so um, we're going to get to hear him share a little bit about his practice of reading God's Word and why it's so important to him. So first of all, Gary, I'm going to start with... Why is daily time in God's word important to you? And with that, I will say, I know many think, well, he's a pastor, so it's kind of his job. But putting aside your vocation uh-huh. and simply as a husband, as a dad, etc. Yeah. why is it so important to you?
4: Okay, okay. So uh, just real quick, uh, just for... Um, just for context, this is not something I do as a pastor. This is something I've been doing since I was 16 years old, okay? So it has been my practice uh, to begin my day almost every day. I can't say I've done it every day for 45 years or 46 years or how long it's been now. But, um, but it's my practice. I, I, this is me, okay? This is just me. If I get up and go right into my day, um, it doesn't take long for the anxiety level to go, go up for me. Uh, It also doesn't take long before I begin to feel the rush and hurry of the world. And it's also not very long before I begin to feel extremely empty. So for me, the most important thing I have to do every day is, in fact, I I remember reading this quote from Martin Luther, the original Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King Jr., but the original Martin Luther who said, I am so busy today, I'm going to spend my first three hours in prayer. And as a young person, I would read that and I would think, oh, my goodness, how can anybody spend three hours in prayer? But as I've gotten older, I understand how that is possible, and I understand how that can be really helpful. Not that I spend three hours every day. so. But I, I, I have found that I need to take time to slow myself down, be still, into uh, because that's part of how I combat the hurry, the rush, the busyness, uh, everything that creates anxiety in the world. Uh, so I need that, and the other thing is, is that I am so prone to become empty. And when I become empty, it's very easy for me to s- fill my life with my own personal selfishness, my own selfish desires. And so it's very important for me to begin my day just seeking the fullness of God. Uh, and to, uh, in, in that way, as I walk out into the world, I'm much better prepared for what I face. Not that I live my days perfectly; I, nowhere close to it. I'm still singing and praying, God you know, Savior, save me, healer, heal me. But I need that daily time of connection with God.
3: Awesome. So I think it's been so good for us to have here heard over the past four or five weeks how different people approach their time with God every day. And everyone is different, so everyone's routine, practice, habit, whatever you want to call it, um, looks a little different. So, Gary, what does personal time in the Word and prayer look like on a daily basis and what works for you?
4: Okay. Okay. So uh, first of all, I'm one of those people who I get bored fast, okay? Uh, it's funny. Uh, I, I'm very impatient when I listen to preachers, you know, and I think I'm a preacher. So I, I forgive you if you're impatient with me because I'm impatient with others. I totally get it. Um, so for me, if I do the exact same thing every day over time, it becomes, uh, it, it can become stiff, stale. Uh, mechanical, lifeless, okay? Now, some people, they love everything to be exactly the same every day. And if you're one of those people, praise God, that's the way God made you. If you're not one of those people, that's okay. That's okay. That being stiff uh, and formal doesn't necessarily draw you into the presence of God. But for me, typically what it will look like is something like this, and it will change up a little bit from day to day or Uh, Not necessarily day to day, but over time it will change up a little bit. But today what it looked look like for me is the first thing I do is I stop to be still in the presence of God. Now, I haven't been doing a lot because this is the first thing I do when I get up. But uh, every day I start with the right tools. I have my water, okay? Uh, Unlike Carolyn, Carolyn does not drink any coffee until she's had her liter bottle of water. Uh, You know what? I think it's okay to go straight to coffee. Okay, so I I have my coffee in my favorite coffee mug. Where's Matt at? He's around here somewhere. Uh, Gift from Matt. uh, It's you know steel and uh, it's got Arkansas on it, which makes it tougher, and uh, and it keeps my coffee warm. So uh, I have that, and I have my uh, I I have my Bible. Uh, I usually read out of the NIV, the 2011 translation, the most recent. Uh, and then I always have a notepad. So I have those things. But the other thing I have is I do use my phone a lot. Now, I know a lot of people don't like to use their phone in their quiet times. Uh, in fact, they don't think it's a true quiet time if you're using your phone. For me, I have found my my phone, first of all, it has a lot of things on it that are super helpful. Like I have Logos, which is a super helpful uh, software program that has, uh, I honestly don't know how many books it has on there, but thousands of dollars of books uh, that I could never afford, but it's right there. Uh, but the the thing that I really use every day is I'm using something called Dwell, and I know you can't really see it, but it's called Dwell. And the reason I use this particular one, you can get free ones. The Gideons have uh, a free one. Uh, I like to use this one. Uh, it does cost $40 a year, but the reason I like using it is because it has a lot of different translations, which the Gideons one does as well, but this has more. Uh, and, uh, also it has, uh, what I'm doing right now is I'm reading chronologically through the old Testament while also reading chronologically, chronologically through the new Testament. And, um, and, uh, and, and so as I'm, uh, but I can listen to it as I read, uh, and I have found that to be kind of a, a good change for me. So typically I'll just read straight from the Bible, but actually being able to, to listen to the Word. The early believers, most of them were not able to read. Uh, they were illiterate. And so they listened to the Word uh, more than read the Word. But I, I find that doing both together really helps me to focus and concentrate. So usually I'll begin with just a few minutes, just being still in the presence of God. And uh, and I, uh, so I, I like to be still in the presence of God. I spend a little time in reading the Scriptures. And then what I do is I will spend some time, like today I wrote out my little gratitude list, some of the things that I'm grateful for, and I just spent some time worshiping God, saying, God, you are great, you are awesome, you are good, you are faithful, you are with me, you are for me. Uh, Thank you that in Jesus I am a new creation. Thank you that in Jesus there's no condemnation for me. Thank you that in Jesus nothing and no one can ever separate me from your, uh, your love. But I just spend time really worshiping God, praising him, and Because I need to worship. I need to take, when I approach prayer saying, give me, give me, give me, it really doesn't do a lot to elevate my walk with Jesus. But when I begin my time of prayer just praising God, worshiping him, giving thanks for all of his blessings, it does something special in my heart. And then from that, uh, I'll, I'll go into a time of prayer, and sometimes what that prayer will look like, and Kathy talked about this uh, uh 4 weeks ago she said that sometimes she'll write, write out her prayers in a little notepad. Uh her her notepads they open like book form. This one is, you know, flips up this way. Uh so uh, I think my next one I'm going to get one that opens like yours. I like the book form better. But I'll sometimes a lot of times I'll write out my prayers and part of that is I struggle with ADHD and I need something to help me focus. So I'll write out my prayers. The other thing I do is in Notepad on my iPhone. Uh, so some of you, you have a, uh, maybe you have an um, uh, iPad. But like, you know, I'll go to my prayer folder. And in my prayer folder, I have 10 different lists. Okay? Actually, no, I'll take that back. I only have nine different lists, uh, nine different prayer lists. And so the very first one is just a scripted prayer that I pray often. And I, uh, I'm pretty sure this comes from A.W. Tozer. But I'll just simply pray, uh, God, thank you, God, for being gracious and merciful, not easily angered, but filled with kindness and longing for your people. Grant not only me, but our whole nation the gift of repentance, the gift of tears, so that we can return to you with all our hearts. Thank you not only for hearing my cries for help, but also for bringing healing and restoration to my life today. And so I'll, I'll pray that or... Um, and then the the second prayer list is, I don't know, it's pretty long, and so I won't read it to you, but I'll just read the first part. But all of this, these are just scripted prayers based upon Scripture. So like this morning I prayed, uh, I prayed this, just based on Acts 1-8 and Galatians five thirteen 13-26, which we have been praying, you know, encouraging each other to pray. But I just say, Holy Spirit, I ask you to fill me and empower me to be a witness for Christ today and all that I say and do. So I was praying about that as I was going to share with you guys today. I said, help me to crucify my flesh with its desires and passions and use my freedom in Christ as an opportunity to serve others and love. Uh, I want to walk in fellowship with you today, to be led by you, to live by you, to keep in step with you so that your fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control permeates my life, my relationships, and my family and church, my work as a pastor, and all my interactions with others. So I just spend time praying scripture And then I have other things that I pray as well. So I have a list here. Um, Obviously, I pray for my family, uh, but I have a a list here where this is great. This is awesome. Okay. So I pray for the individual needs of people in our church, but only if you tell me what they are. Okay. If you don't tell me what they are, I don't pray for them because I don't know. I, I just simply don't know. But you can tell me what they are. You can text them to me. You can email them to me. You can use the little prayer thing on our church app. Uh, But like I got this request yesterday to pray for Joe and Debbie Garfield. Joe had a heart attack uh, the other day. And so I'm praying for Joe for his healing. I'm praying for the medical team, wisdom. I'm praying for Debbie and for their girls, for grace. But I'm praying for that back in November. Back in November. Wow. I I hope I can say this, Chriselle, without... (laughs) Not just with your permission, but without crying, okay? But Chriselle, you know, she asked me back in November and asked Joy if we would pray for her brother, Elliot, because he had cancer, stage four lung cancer. And when he went in, he drank that stuff you drink when they do the scan, and his body lit up like a Christmas tree, Chriselle's words. And um, he went in this last week, did the exact same test, stage four lung cancer. In his spine, throughout his hips, his all over his body, spread. Went in, drank the drink. There was only a small little place of yellow. In the words of Elliot uh, to Chrisel, the doctor was, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Yeah. And God doesn't always answer all my prayers the way I want him to. But you know what? God works when we pray. But I spend time, I pray for you guys. I pray scripture. I pray uh, I pray for stuff in my life. There are a lot of areas where I need to grow. One of the things I'm praying for a lot for myself in this series, I've encouraged you to pray for the fruit of the spirit. What, is the, what aspect of the fruit of the spirit do you need to see the most growth in in, in your life? And so, um, you know, a while back, uh, I had asked Matt where I needed to grow as a pastor, not thinking about the fruit of the Spirit, but where do I need to grow as a pastor to be a better pastor? And he said, I think you need to grow in gentleness. And then I was talking to Joy, I think sometime before that or after that, and I had asked her, and she said gentleness. And I thought, no, I'm just going to pray that God gives them thicker skin. No, just kidding. So uh, I've been praying for gentleness. But, you know, what I do is is I'm still before God, I spend time reading the Word of God, I spend time uh, just, and then uh, either writing out my prayers or using my prayer list. If I use a prayer list every day, it gets old and dry to me. Uh, It's like my heart isn't in it, and so I'll shift and I'll I'll start writing out my prayers when that happens. But I'm constantly, um, you know, my focus is always time in the Word, always time in prayer.
3: Thank you, Gary. Can't take the pastor out of the pastor mini-message before the message. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> too...
4: I didn't script this. I should have. That way I keep it sl- shorter.
3: You know, I think what we can say is the goal is the same. Yeah. Time in the presence of God. Yeah. How we get there, um, how we do that looks different for everybody. And these are all great things that we're sharing so that you might just say, you know what, I'm going to try that and see if that works for me. So thank you for all your tools. Great mm-hmm. tools. And so finally, what advice would you give to someone who is trying to establish this spiritual discipline and practice it for themselves?
4: Okay, so I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. One chapter. One chapter. Say it again. One chapter. One chapter. Okay? If you don't say it, you're not going to get it. So say it again. One chapter. One, chapter. One verse. One, verse. One, prayer. One prayer. One person. One person. So what is it? One chapter. One. Okay, so I learned this from a guy named Mr. J, and he's a children's pastor. And I learned this the same time my daughter Cass, our oldest daughter, she is about 8 years old, she learned this. Uh, our son Caleb was about 10 years old. He learned this, how to spend time with God daily in the Word and prayer. By the way, all of my kids spend time daily in the Word of God and prayer. And what they learn how to do is read a chapter a day from the Bible. Then you underline just one verse. If there's a verse there that stands out to you for any reason, maybe you find encouragement in that verse. Uh, maybe you find uh, whatever, but you feel like God is speaking to you in that verse. But just underline it. Then what you do is you take that uh, what you've read in the Scripture and you use that to guide the way you pray. Like, for example, you know, if I'm reading through Galatians 5, I'm saying, God, help me to walk by your Spirit today. And live out more of the fruit of the Spirit. And then I share with one person. So I might share with, with joy. Or I might share with one of my kids. Or with a friend. But I share something from that. And you know, my encouragement is. If you're not currently. I'm sorry. I'm looking to make sure I don't trip over the water behind me. Um, my encouragement is. is If you're not currently praying or reading the scriptures daily. Just begin with Matthew chapter 1. In the New Testament. And if you do, if you are consistent, and by consistent, I don't mean you have to do it every day, but if you're consistent five days a week, you'll read through the entire New Testament 52 weeks, five chapters a week. You'll read through 260 chapters, the entire New Testament, in one year. And if you're currently not reading the Scripture, spending time with God, by the way, you know how long it takes to do what I just said there? It takes less than 10 minutes. Less than 10 minutes to read a chapter, underline a verse, pray a prayer, and then share a friend. So if a child is 10 years old, my goal would be 10 minutes with the Lord. Okay, If you're an adult first starting out, I would encourage you to start with 15 minutes with the Lord every day. And just build from there. Okay, Don't push yourself, but just let yourself grow and uh, let God speak in your heart and change you. So that would be one chapter, one verse, one Prayer one person.
3: Awesome. Thank you, Gary. Thanks, Gary. You guys want to thank Gary for sharing with us today. Yes, thank you. All right. So, right now, I'm going to ask um, Kalel Gatan to come on up. So, we have taken the Lord's Supper together this morning. We've worshiped. We've heard some great tools about reading God's Word. And now we're going to actually do that together. So, Kalel is going to read God's Word for us um, today. So, you got your mic? He's all set.
5: He's all set. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Amen.
0: Thank you, Khalil so very much for reading from Galatians 5 for us. Um, now that I know that Gary gets impatient with preachers, I'm going to wrap this up in six minutes. <laughs> or maybe 26 minutes. Good morning again. Uh, I want to, uh, before I get going here, I just want to take a moment and pray. And pray about the things that kal just shared with us, okay? Let's pray for everyone. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for what it shows us and teaches us, especially when it comes to living lives that proclaim the gospel that bear fruit. Lord, as we just uh, heard, help us to keep in step with the Spirit. Help us to be led by the Spirit, Lord. Bear out your fruit in our lives and use us to inspire and encourage people to say yes to you. In Christ's name, amen. Kalel, thank you again so very much. I really appreciate it. so I'm grateful for this opportunity to continue our Life in the Spirit series today. And the part of the Fruit of the Spirit, the aspect that we're going to focus on today, is patience. Many of you through the years have expressed to me that you think I'm a patient person, and I appreciate that. In fact, I have one worship leader friend of mine who told me that he had that I have what he calls... A Zen swag. A Zen swag. And, of course, I made a joke out of it, and I said, you know what? I think I had that at the Brazilian steakhouse one time. It was, I'll have the Zen swag, please. Extra swag. But uh, in preparing for this message, we were talking about this before the service, in preparing for this message on patience, I came across multiple opportunities to put into practice what I wanted to talk with you about today. And in many instances, there was no Zen and there was no swag. (laughs) But earlier this week, I asked a simple question on Facebook. I said, how would you define patience? And the feedback that I received was one part heartfelt and one part hilarious. And I would love to share some of the responses with you. And I'm going to start with some of the heartfelt ones. First of all, one person said, patience is taking a deep breath and remembering that this person is not you, does not think like you, and is God's child. Oof. Oof. Uh, Jen Protavinsky said, patience is something that comes easy at times and is elusive at times. Mm-hmm. Jeannie Lore, our friend from First Baptist, said, patience, I love this, patience is waiting with Grace. Dang, (laughs) yeah, that is good. Patience, a friend of from high school, said patience is a conscious choice. Mm -hmm. Susie Bradley, some of you remember Susie from the way early days of SVC. Susie said patience is part of the fruit of the Spirit, which we get by keeping in step with the Spirit. I think she's been listening to your messages. Noreen O'Regan said patience is 42 years of marriage or or the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble or suffering without getting angry or upset. Patience is sitting quietly. This is great. Rachel Spradford shared this. Patience is sitting quietly and listening while someone works something out. <laughs> That's good. Leslie Williams friend of ours patience is the realization that god is in control and i am not it's completely trusting his timing and his love for us with contentment and peace jackie stansfield said in relation to relationships i think of never giving up even when it seems hopeless god doesn't give up on me who am i to give up on others Patience involves grace and forgiveness and unconditional love. Kayla Mikola, shared. She looks at two pa- patience in two ways. Number one, being content in times of waiting, even small times like grocery store lines. All and or relationally, leaning on understanding and empathy when relating to others and forgiving them. Good stuff. Joy said, patience is responding with peace in a tense situation. That's where I got tested the most this week. (laughs) I love Judy Bowie's honesty here when she said, I'm still a work in progress with patience, and I'm not sure what it is. And finally, one other person said, patience is giving time for things to unfold with an open heart and mind and praying for the best. Um, Here are some responses that I think will make all of us smile. Lee Dorman, I I just had to say his name, right? If you all remember the Dorman family, they were here for a long time. He said, patience is still being a Houston Texans fan. (laughs) Lee, if you're watching, I get that. Now that Sean Payton's not with the Saints anymore, uh, I'm really feeling that. Dennis Murphy, a fellow pastor of ours. Said, patience is going shopping with your wife and four daughters. (laughs) Hey, he wrote it. It's in public. A friend I went to high school with said, patience is resisting the urge to throat punch someone in the throat when they keep saying stupid things. I loved how she qualified in the throat, you know. (laughs) as opposed to throat-punching someone in the knee. I don't know. (laughs) Our very own Dave Tyner, hi, Dave, if you're watching, said, I have no time for this. (laughs) But he then added another comment saying that patience is the ability to step back and listen, to count to ten, to keep perspective. Jeremy Massett, who is Jen Provenci's brother, said, hold on, I'll get back to you. Justin Brown, y'all remember the Browns, Justin, Kimberly, and the girls? He said, patience is the opposite of what I have. (laughs) Pastor Gary said that patience (laughs) is (laughs) driving behind a truck at Walmart in Bryant, Arkansas, that is going .3 miles an hour while a 90-year-old woman with a walker passes both of you on the sidewalk. This, of course, is all hypothetical. (laughs) And finally, honorary SVC member and frequent guest speaker PC Walker said, I'll let you know tomorrow. (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for your feedback. You know, the Bible does have a lot to say about patience, how to live it out, how to practice it, why it's important, and so on. And ultimately, what you and I must understand is what Chalel read earlier—that patience is a work of the Spirit. Yes, we—it requires effort on our part, absolutely. But it's born out of, or it manifests itself because of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. All of this, uh, everything that we've been talking about thus far, Gary has preached about love and joy, and we're going to hit the other aspects of the fruit of the Spirit in the coming weeks, all of it bears itself out as we walk by the Spirit, as we are led by the Spirit, as we keep in step with the Spirit, whether it's love, joy, patience, kindness. You know, it just takes time, right? How many of you have fruit trees? Oh, goodness gracious. I went way down in my notes here. How many of you have fruit trees in your yard? Okay. Uh, Let's start with you, Kathy. What kind of fruit trees do you have? Mandarin and orange. orange. All right. Dolly, did you raise your hand? I think you did. What kind do you have? Sorry? Lemon. Lemon. Lemon tree. And there was one hand over here. So, Jackie. Let's hear some of them. Apricot. Persimmons. Grapefruit, wow. Okay, uh, what kind do you have? Green apple. Green apple. Interesting. Are, are they good? Very few. <laughs> <laughs> Bella, you raised your hand. Oranges and lemons, and who else over here? Kathy. Orange and apple. Rich, I know you have a plethora of uh, uh, fruit trees. What are some of the ones you have? (laughs) Awesome. Elias, what about you, bud? Plum tree, very cool. So I knew that we have some some good gardeners here and some people with some nice uh, nice, uh, trees and and yards. And how many of you planted those trees and then reaped a harvest the next day? It just doesn't work, right? The fruit of the spirit or the evidence of a spirit-led life takes time to grow and develop. You mentioned having a green apple tree. I read that depending on the variety of the apple, after the tree is planted, it can take three to seven years for the first apple to show up. Three to seven years. It just takes time. We plant that tree, and then we wait, don't we? You know, one of the hardest things to do is wait. Craig Rochelle, he's a pastor in Oklahoma, tells this great story of a friend of his who was patiently praying for, waiting for a husband. And she came to him to ask him to pray for her. And she showed him this list of qualities that she wrote down that she wanted to see in a husband. And on that list were 43 qualities. (laughs) Forty three qualities that she wanted to have in a husband. A few years later, after fervent and faithful prayer, she had whittled that list down to two qualities. She wanted him to love Jesus and have a job. Those were her two qualities. I'm not picking my nose. I'm scratching it. I can't, for the life of me, figure out why, After you know, she never found a guy with four, the 43 qualities that she uh, That she was looking for. But, you know, as the Bible says, as I said, the Bible has a lot to say about patience. Patience is clearly important to the heart of God. It's who he is. It's who he wants us to be with his help. So I want to ask you to open up your Bibles or your Bible app to James chapter 5. James chapter 5, and then just hold it there for a second. I'm going to take a swig of water here. James chapter five. So the book of James deals with what uh, you could probably call like the practical side of our faith, trusting God in times of difficulty, trusting God in times of crisis. And like many of the early church leaders, um, James served under the constant threat of violence and persecution. And to the Romans, Christians were troublemakers. To the Jewish leaders, Christians were blasphemers. And James wrote to his fellow believers in part to encourage them in the midst of their difficult trials. And he reminds them of the benefits that they can expect to receive as a result of enduring these hardships, okay, and of the importance of living genuine lives of faith. He reminds them that a life of faith involves actions that reveal a difference in a person's life. So let's start with James chapter 5, verse 7. I'm reading from the NIV, the New International Version. James says in verse 7, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. Verse 8, You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Verse 9, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. I want to focus on a couple of words. In in verse 8, it says, you too be patient and stand firm. Stand firm. That's the NIV. The English Standard Version of the ESV translates stand firm as establish your hearts. I love that. I really love that. What James is saying is that we need to establish in our hearts this quality of patience. We must establish in our hearts this quality of patience, whether we're going through a season of suffering, a season of loss, or a season of waiting. Waiting for COVID to be in the rearview mirror. Are you looking forward to that day? Judy walked in this morning and said, can I hug you? And I said, not yet. You know, I miss that, Judy. I miss your hugs. <laughs> oh, I look forward to the day it's behind us. There are a multitude of minor irritations that we are going to, that we're going to, that patience is going to be called for on a daily basis. And there are also significant crises and seasons of crisis in life that call for patience and steadfastness. And there is a beauty in a response to these irritations, these seasons. There's a beauty in a response of patience and steadfastness. It's the beauty of humility and a quiet trust in God and a quiet trust in his sovereignty. An awesome example of patience in this passage Was the farmer. Verse 7, once again Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. The concept of an impatient farmer is something I can't wrap my brain around. We've discussed that a little bit already. No farmer would plant their seed one day and then expect to harvest the next. They learn to be patient. They learn to wait. There are some things that are in their control, um, such as um, uh, you know, when and how to plant and, and weeding, you know, uh, uh, working the crops. There are some things that are completely out of their control, like the weather, for example. We are to be patient like the farmer, being diligent in the things that we can control, but waiting on God's timing with the things that we cannot control, that are beyond our control. Notice that James mentions the coming of the Lord twice in the passage where he commands patience. He says, verse 7, to be patient until the Lord's coming. And then he says again in verse 8, Be patient and stand firm or establish your in your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. We are to be patient when the Lord returns. But until then, minor inconveniences will be abundantly present in our lives as well as significant crises. We are to meet both with patience. Now, James, in the verses leading up to that, he's talking in the passage about wealthy people who were guilty of withholding wages to their workers who lived in luxury, while those who could have been helped by their generosity were going hungry, were suffering. And knowing that James's readers were likely poor Christians who were harmed by these injustices, James wanted to, to, to show them two things. Number one, he wanted them to respond to these injustices with patience knowing that until Jesus returns, suffering is not to be unexpected. And then there is a second thing he wants them to know, that Jesus will return and he will judge all those oppressors and put an end to all suffering. Forever and ever, amen. Thank you, Randy Travis. In the context of patience, why does James bring up the word grumbling? Why does he bring up the topic of grumbling? Because when you and I grumble, it just sours our whole attitude. It just sours our whole outlook on life and on people, on everything. Whining and complaining and grumbling, it just all comes naturally to us, right? Because we're sinners, we need Jesus. You know, the Apostle Paul knew this all too well. In Philippians chapter 1, Paul encouraged the Philippians to stand strong in their faith against external conflicts, such as the people who were trying to persecute them or silence their teaching of the gospel. He called them to conduct their lives in a manner worthy of the gospel and not get caught up in the grumbling against each other. And then in Philippians 2, Paul taught them how to stand firm against internal conflicts, matters of the heart, which was the habit of grumbling. In Philippians 2.14, Paul says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Paul not only wanted them to be aware of their negative thoughts before they turned into negative words, but he also wanted them to understand that to complain about anything, whether it was a person or a circumstance, was to complain against their God. Let's face it, throughout Scripture, Paul had plenty of reasons to complain at any given time. In fact, he wrote this particular letter from prison. And although the external struggles Paul faced were different than the ones you and I face, I'm sure he experienced the same thoughts and feelings, the same feelings of frustration, the same feelings of irritation, of impatience. Paul was likely tired. He was likely frustrated with all of his problems, which seemed to never end. And we see in the Bible that Paul was constantly battling fear, discouragement. He was harassed. He had no idea how or if things were going to work out the way that he continually prayed for. It's safe to say that if anyone (laughs) had justification for grumbling and complaining, it was him. But we see in Philippians how he purposely strived to eliminate discontentment, to eliminate grumbling, even though complaint was warranted, and to turn his negativity into positive thoughts and praise, which we're going to see in just a second. Last September... We drove down, my family and I drove down to Irvine to move our daughter, Lauren, into college, into her apartment in college. And when we were driving back, we were just north of the grapevine, and we've all had this experience. You're driving on a freeway, and you're going however fast you're going, and you see someone in your rearview mirror, and they're just weaving in and out through traffic, just being dangerous. Endangering other people's lives, speeding up. And that is something I really have no tolerance for, no patience for. Uh, when I'm in the car, when my entire family's in the car, I really don't have any patience or tolerance for that. It was just so unbelievably foolish and dangerous. He gets up by me as he's passing me. I laid on the horn for several seconds to express my displeasure. He immediately got in front of me, brake-checked me, stuck his left arm out the window, and expressed his displeasure. Do you remember this? Yeah. Yeah. You sleep through all the fun stuff when we're doing. (laughs) But I just had to take a few deep breaths, and I just had to pray. And I prayed for that guy. And I prayed for his protection, and I prayed for the protection of all the other motorists. I also prayed that the CHP would nail him (laughs) and impound his car and then sell it and give all the proceeds to our church. But it was pointless to try to do anything about it because he's in whatever this was, and I'm in a Toyota Highlander. I'm not going to catch the guy. I'm not going to catch up with him. But there's always going to be that rude person in traffic. There's always going to be high-maintenance and demanding customers at the, at the counter. There's always going to be that person who tests us. It's inevitable. It's unavoidable. And as I said earlier, we're never, ever going to run out of opportunities in daily life that call for patience. Some of them will be minor irritations. Some of them will be significant crises and seasons of crisis that call for patience and steadfastness. And in conclusion, I just want to give you three short points. What I hope are three simple and practical points that I encourage you to try the next time that minor irritation or that major crisis confronts you. Number one, I want to ask you to choose to pause. Proverbs 15.1, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Let me ask you a question. Impulsively reacting in frustration. When has that ever benefited you? When has that ever enriched your life? For me, pausing or not pausing can change the trajectory of my day. There's something very practical. There's something very biblical about just taking 10 seconds 10 seconds and just going and centering yourself and putting yourself in a calm frame of mind to respond to the irritation rather than react to it. Okay. All right. Next up, choose to pray. So I'm asking you to choose to pause. I'm asking you to choose to pray. Philippians 4, 6 Do not be anxious about anything. Of course, Paul's talking in the context of anxiety, but I believe this is still applicable. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, in prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. In which situation? Every one. Every one. Choose to pray. Trust and believe that God is with you in the big and small irritations. With God, there is no crisis that is too big to bring to him. There is no irritation that's too small to bring for him. And there's no prayer that goes unnoticed. Number three, finally, choose to praise. Choose to praise. 1 Thessalonians five, sixteen to 18, the Apostle Paul said, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't want to oversimplify things, but I truly believe that in times of waiting and in times of crisis, gratitude is one of the most important things that God uses to get us through it. One of my favorite authors is Max Lucado. I love Max, and in his book, You'll Get Through This, Max shares this. The grateful heart is like a magnet, sweeping over the day, collecting reasons for gratitude. A zillion diamonds sparkle against the velvet of your sky every night. Thank you, God. A miracle of muscles enable your eyes to read scripture and your brain to process them. Thank you, God. Your lungs inhale and exhale 11,000 liters of air every day. Your heart will beat about 3 billion times in your lifetime. Your brain is a veritable electric generator of power. Thank you, God. Max continues, for the jam on our toast, like the organic strawberry jam from Costco that my wife's in love with, For the milk on our cereal, for the blanket that calms us, and the joke that delights us, and the warm sun that reminds us of God's love, gratitude gets us through the hard stuff. To reflect on your blessings, he says, is to rehearse God's accomplishments. To rehearse God's accomplishments is to discover his heart. And to discover his heart is to discover not just good gifts, but the good giver himself. Gratitude always leaves us looking at God and away from the dread. It does to irritation what the morning sun does to the valley mist. It burns it up. You see why I like Max? (laughs) I want to invite Daniel and Kayla back to the stage and I want to invite soul and jet to the stage as well, please. And I want to wrap this up here. You know, as you and I choose to walk by the Spirit, as we choose to live by the Spirit, as we choose to be led by the Spirit, and as we choose to keep in step with the Spirit, people are going to see the fruit of His Spirit manifesting itself in our lives. They're going to see love, joy, kindness, patience, and more. They're going to see Jesus. And isn't this what, why we're here? Isn't this what this is all about? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, whether we're going through a season of suffering, a season of loss, or a season of waiting, or a minor inconvenience like a slow-moving line at the grocery store, help us to establish in our hearts the quality of patience. Help us to stand firm on the ground of patience. When we're irritated, when we want to grumble and complain, help us to pause and pray. Help us to praise, to choose gratitude. We can't do it apart from you, and we thank you for your help. In Christ's name, amen. All right. Thank you for listening. Uh, Jet, soul, take it away.
6: My name is Sol, and I want to thank you for being here today. I also want to remind you about the four important things we all need to do during our life in the Spiritual Growth Challenge. Number one, please be sure to make Sunday morning a worship priority. Number two, please read the Bible every day. Number three, please please pray, please pray Galatians 5, verse 13 through 26 every day. And number four, finally, number four, and please join a small group if you haven't yet. We're all better together. Finally, I invite you to join us on Sunday, February 6th at 6.30 p.m. here at SVC for our revival prayer gathering. We will worship God together, and we will pray for our revival in our families, our church, our community, our nation, and our world. Thank you. Hello, my name is Jet, and before we close out today's service, we would like to worship God with our offerings. There are five ways you can uh, give. (laughs) Uh, Number one, you can visit our website at www.solanovallichurch.org backslash giving. (laughs) I had to do that. (laughs) You can tap the give button. On the SVC app, you can send a check to 1307 Oliver Road, uh, Fairfield, California, 94534. You can text the word give to 707-883-3019. Or my favorite, you can shove down some money in the mail (laughs) slot behind the sound booth. (sighs) The Bible says God loves it. A cheerful giver, thank you for uh, uh, your generosity and kindness.
0: You heard the man shove some money down into that uh, into that mail slot. Just keep going, just keep going. Thank you, soul. thank you, jet. Thank you, kal for reading God's word for us today. Thank you, Gary, for sharing your practices. Uh, Carolyn, for leading us in communion. Daniel, Kayla, thank you so much for helping to lead us in worship. And thank you, Joe and Jim, uh, for being in our booth back there. Uh, Steve and Sandy, thank you very much for setting up communion for us as well. Going through the gratitude list keeps that grumbling away, right? Yeah. Let's stand together. Let's worship the God, uh, worship God one more time. And it looks like you've got at least 40 minutes until game one starts. So uh, we'll get you out of there for that.
1: I will wait. the rock, Lord. I put my trust in you. Sing a new song. Sing a new song. I I will wait wait. for Song in in my mouth, Lord. the In Lord. my praise to you I set my feet on the rock, Lord Yes, I put my trust in you Sing a new song Sing a new song One more time, yes You put a new song in, in the my mouth, up. In my praise to you All I want to do when I wake up Is spend my day with you a new song in, my mouth, uh, in the mouth of him of to you. Get my feet on the rock, Lord. I put my trust in you. Sing a new song. Sing a new song. Alright. Thank you so much for being here. Go Niners!